0: Back to Back in My Play. This is episode number 66. For this episode, we're going to be talking about Sega 3D Classics Collection 2. Wait, what? Actually, who knows what it's called? But in the United States, it's just Sega 3D Classics Collection. In Japan, though, it is the second retail release of these beautiful versions of these classic Sega games on the Nintendo 3DS. My name is Kevin Larrabee, and Why would I do an episode about Sega without the other guy on the line? That is Greg Seward of the Player One Podcast and Generation 16, Sega expert. That's me. He is Mr. Sega Ages.
1: Yes. Yes. That's one of them. Anyway, we'll we'll talk about that later.
0: We will be talking about Sega Ages. It will be coming up, but this is going to be a a different episode because obviously we're not going to do like – mini episodes for all nine games that are in this collection. Uh, but I want to first go back to that first release that they got in Japan, which I am thankful to have, although you have to region-free your, your 3DS to make it playable. But uh, that includes a great lineup of games, including OutRun, include... Okay, this is this is why this is this is a great thing to be talking about right now, but it's also kind of a bummer because that collection includes bare knuckle streets of rage. It includes outrun. It includes fantasy zone. It includes space Harrier. Uh, I already mentioned outrun, uh, super shinobi two, uh, which is uh, shadow dancer, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. No,
1: no, 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 uh, super shinobi two, would
0: be shinobi three. Oh, you're right. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, they, oh, God, that's weird. All right, and then you also have Echo the Dolphin, which, you know, sure, you get a, you get to fill out the roster somehow. You might as well throw in the Dolphin.
1: Oh, don't crap on Echo the Dolphin. I know, it's that's a Sega game.
0: fan thing. Everyone that likes Sega likes Alex Kidd and they like Echo the Dolphin. <laughs> I just never I never really picked up on the, the appeal of those things. I would have rather had, you know what would have been a good game? Vector Man. Put in Vector Man instead of Echo the Dolphin. That would have been a good 3 classic.
1: I can't disagree with that.
0: Uh, and also, Japan, oddly enough, not oddly enough, but they got this really great, they got a two-pack. They get a double-pack that has all, uh, I think it has 17 games in total on it, which is just ridiculous. And, uh, of course, we should just be thankful in the West that we got this one retail release. So at least we have one of them that we can pop in without having to mod our 3DSs. But, Greg, this is a hell of a package for 30 bucks.
1: Yeah, I mean, for nine games, like, how can you go wrong? And, and nine great games. And, I mean, for me, it really worked out well because, obviously, a lot of the ones you mentioned have been being released, like, separately here mm-hmm. on the U.S. Um, eShop. And out of the nine games that are in this pack, Sonic's the only one that I previously purchased. So,
0: like,
1: mm-hmm. so couldn't, that, it couldn't have worked out better for me. So, you know what? I mean, whatever for everybody else. But it couldn't have worked out better for me.
0: Well, I I like packages like this because these like compilations, these are the the things that get me to play games that I may have not tried out before because they're in there anyway. It's like I already paid for it. You know, I might as well give it a shot. That's why I got to try out uh, a bunch of games in that Sonic's Ultimate Genesis collection, too. That was a great way to try out a bunch of Sega games that that you may have missed or that are just kind of too expensive now, like Phantasy Star 4. Not something that's really easy to pick up in a cart these days.
1: Right. Or something, you know, that you're you're not quite as interested in, maybe mm-hmm. because you haven't tried it or, you know, like, even as cheap as a lot of games are on the eShop, you kind of, I mean, what do these games normally go for, 8 bucks or something like that?
0: Uh, for the 3D version's correct.
1: Yeah. So, like, for 8 bucks, you know, maybe you don't want to try, take a chance on, like, Fantasy Zone mm-hmm. if you'd never played it before. But for 30 bucks for the nine games, yeah, great. I'll try Fantasy Zone. Why not? You know? But I know I want like Power Drift and Sonic and and Altered Beast and things like that. So it's just a bonus.
0: Well, let's go down the the lineup of of this uh, great package, which is the headliner's Power Drift, which we'll Mm. be probably spending the most time talking about. You also have Puyo Puyo 2. You have Sonic the Hedgehog. You have uh, Galaxy Force 2. You have the wonderful Thunder Blade with its uh, classic Sega music in it, which may be is uh, what people could use if they ever needed to go to court to justify why Sega music <laughs> is not great. Uh, you have Fantasy Zone Two. You have Altered Beast, which has a very interesting backstory when it comes to this version of the game and why it's included in this collection. And then in, for extras, they have Fantasy Zone Two, the Mega uh, Excuse Master, me, the System. Master System version, and then you also have Maze Walker, also for. The Master System, again, two things that I probably would never pay money for, but since they're part of these collections, uh, they're worth taking a look at. And I think Maze Walker is going to be a really – I think that is going to be like a dark horse. I think a lot of people are going to play that and find it super rad. I i did at least. Um, that was a game I would never heard of until this collection came out. Well, it's
1: actually – if I understand correctly, it's the first time it's been playable without the 3D glasses for the Master System. Because you couldn't actually turn off the 3D effect on the master system version. Oh, so if you didn't have the 3D glasses, or now if you don't have a TV, if you don't have a CRT television, mm-hmm. but you had the game and the glasses, like you couldn't play that game. So that's one of the reasons to have it in here.
0: Well, here's a reason to take a break because we're going to put in a bunch of music in this show, and we're going to come back and talk about the development of these specific 3D versions and the incredible work that M2 did, and some of the backstories behind the work that was done. So stick around. We're going to be right back. Here is some music from... I bet it's going to be Power Drift. It's probably Power Drift. Here's some Power Drift. Were these versions of the games, I should say, they were done by the unbelievable M2, which is a, a company that has been around for a very long time. And it's something that we bring up, and this is what's messing with me, and it's going to mess with you, Greg, is that we're recording stuff out of order where in next week's show, people are going to be checking out Gunstar Heroes, <laughs> another 3D classic. Uh, but for for us today, we are talking about M2 in the sense of, yeah, we haven't really talked about M2 yet, but we actually did and we did it next week, but we did it last week. So M2, they are they are the beautiful beautiful people that have respected this incredible content to the point where not only are the recreation's perfect, they're better. Yeah. And you can always have the option of playing these games like they were originally played. And you can play them in terms of uh, different regions. And you can also mess with like the settings. It's like having access to all the dip switches for an arcade board, but for a Sega Genesis game, which is, is something that just puts the virtual console to shame. I mentioned that in the Gunstar Hero show, but I got to mention it again. Like, this is a lovingly crafted, a lovingly put-together package of games that did not take one day to do. Like, they spent years developing these games, Greg.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it's, you know, not only are you getting, like, pixel-perfect versions of the games, which honestly would be enough, mm-hmm. you know, and that would be better than a lot of the stuff that you see on Virtual Console up until recently. Um, but, I mean, like, just the, the little extra mile that they go, like, in uh, I think in Thunderblade and and um, Power Drift, they have an option in there about, uh, like ambient noise yep. where you can hear, you can hear, like if you're hitting the gas, you can hear the click or the, when the pedal hits the floor, mm-hmm. like they added just little things like that. It's so amazing. Like when you're, when you're, um, shifting gears in power drift, like you can hear somebody actually yanking the gear shift down and it's hitting the stopper, like the metal on metal. Um, or even little things like in the Genesis games where they have like the, uh, the, whether you want the sound emulated from the Model 1 Genesis or the Model 2 Genesis, which is such a like such a level of minutiae you would never even expect. And and if you don't even if if you're not familiar with the fact that those two systems pump out sound slightly differently, you wouldn't even know why the heck that's there. Like what are they what what's the point of this? But like it's just like that level of detail is just unbelievable. And it's you just gotta respect it.
0: Well it's it's these are these are some of these things are very simple, and they're they're things that that are the primary reason. And it's not again a virtual console bash fest. No, having the ability to just remap the buttons the way that you want them to, mm-hmm. like that, is basic crap that should be in something that I am paying money for because an emulator can do it, and I could download the games for free and I can map the buttons. Why can my can I not do it? Something that I'm paying money for, and that's why. Not only do I want to like talk about a package like this, but I want to support the hell out of it. Like I really think for $30, if you have any interest in like two or three of the games that are in this package, you should absolutely go out and, and pick this game up and really just soak it all in because you're going to get access to a great lineup of games and then you can spend time messing around with them uh, in terms of the settings. You mentioned... Uh, the the settings and things like Thunderblade, but the thing that I've been messing around with uh, the most is like something in Power Drift where you can actually change the difficulty as you start getting introduced to the game. So you can have not just like har- hard arcade brutality when it comes to the the difficulty. You can actually start off relatively easy and easier way into it because that is a game that is like. All right, maybe we should talk about Power Drift. Because <laughs> I think that's where the conversation is gonna go uh anyways, and that is really the it is it is the front of the box art that they're really pumping this 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 package with so uh Power Jeff, first off the the icon that they have the guy with the mohawk, the iconic cover art for that game is just absolutely wonderful it's something that I saw when maybe it was you, I believe it was you mm-hmm. that convinced me to pick up. This game as a Sega Ages version while I was out in Tokyo last year, and I did.
1: Yeah, because it's just such a, it's such a an interesting game that really not a lot of people over here seem to have played.
0: Well, but it wasn't. I don't think the cabinets were even in the United States. I don't if believe they were. It
1: was. It was rare.
0: Okay, it was very rare. So this is a Sega Y board game that runs off of three sixty eight. CPU, So this is the same 68,000 that we talked about on the future episode. <laughs> Alright, future episode of, of Gunstar Heroes. Like, this 68,000 CPU was kind of used in everything. This Motorola CPU, and there was different uh, clock speeds of it, but, like, this is something that you saw in the original Macintosh. You saw it used in the uh, Mega Drive. Like, you saw it used in lots of hardware at that time. So... Uh, this arcade board utilized three of them, which is kind of like incredibly complicated when you think about it. And that's they actually mentioned in the incredible Q and As that they had on the Sega uh, blogs. They did great Q and As with the M two development team, where they talked about how difficult it was to get Galaxy Force running well with the with the package that they put together for Sega Three D Classics Collection and. Like they thought, all right, well, we went through all that work to get Galaxy Force going. We might as well get PowerDrift like we have to. And then it ended up being a much bigger process than just kind of thinking, all right, well, we got Galaxy Force going. So we're just going to copy paste the code from PowerDrift into that container and get it Mm -hmm. running. It was actually like way more difficult. And you can kind of see why when it's running.
1: Yeah. And I mean it's just like what they're the amount of sprites they're pushing in that game is amazing. And what's, what's kind of incredible to me. uh, And it's sort of a gameplay feel, but you you can appreciate sort of the power of what you're playing with is that power drift is one of those like early examples of you actually feel like you're racing in a 3d space. Oh my God. Yes. Right. Like, and it's because, I mean, they've been pushing, they've been doing super scalar games for a while. Sega had, you know, like you've got really good examples, like one we're going to talk about a little bit later, like effects they used in Thunderblade to make, Sprites look like 3D objects. Even, so that's even pretty outrun
0: impressive. to a certain
1: extent. Outrun as well, but I mean in outrun and and even in like older games like pole position where you're on like a circuit, you know, where it doubles back on itself eventually, you never felt like you were in a 3D space. Mm-hmm. You're you're on a ribbon, right? Like you're on a ribbon of road and and you're just kind of following the twists and turns but in power drifts You feel like you're in a 3D space and they really play it up so much that almost every track crosses over itself.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And it's just like, this is so cool. You hadn't seen something like that before. Like, I don't think we had gotten to the point of like hard driving or anything like that in the arcade Mm -hmm. at this point. So it was just like, it's like nothing you've ever played. And it's just so cool to see that they were able to accomplish that using flat
0: images. This is a, this is a Yusuzuki game. It came out in 1988, which we were <clears> both <throat> talking before we started recording. This game looks like it was like 1992. It is graphically, <clears> it is very impressive graphically for a game that would have come out in 1988. That's why, you know, I would have figured like I would have remembered this game if I ever saw it, but I never saw it anywhere, anywhere. Like I've, like we just saw like whatever the the Ivan, uh, whatever off road game. What was his name? Ivan Iron Man I've- Stewart. I, I've been Iron Man Stewart's off-road racing. That's like really all that, that we saw until like things like cruising USA kind of brought back the racing, racing genre.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I, i never really seen it. I, I I shouldn't say that. I want to say that I did see this at some point. Um, but like, while I was playing it here, um, in my head, I had convinced myself like this has to be like the last super Scalar game they mm. did. Before virtual racing, before going fully 3D in the, in the model model one board, I think that was. Um, so I was shocked to, to find out. Yeah, it's like from 1988. Like, oh my god, they were they were
0: so ahead of their time. Yeah, like, is this is a technical masterpiece. Yeah. yeah, the this is a spoiler, but this is my favorite game of the collection, and this is. I don't know if it's because of the 3D effect, and for all these games, I had the 3D on full blast on my new 3DS. Oh, yeah. Like. It is so perfect. It is almost a requirement. I mean, it's not, but like it, it, it just is. It works so well. You all, you want to have it on at all times. But this game is an absolute blast to play. And I really started picking it up and getting, you know, the the shifting down and everything like that. And this is why uh, I'm going to be unorganized. But I'm going to go back into the settings for a second because not only does it give you four different. Uh, gear types that you could use, switch, toggle, hold, and automatic transit, uh, transmission. So even Mm -hmm. if you don't want to deal with that, you can actually go to automatic trans, uh, transmission and not worry about shifting like you would in a outrun. You can also go into the, uh, sound test and you can mess with the equalizer. Like you can go (laughs) that deep and you can go through every single one of the tracks, uh, the music tracks and mess with the EQ settings on it, like you had an old 1988 boombox where you could mess with all like the toggles on the front of the, of like the stereo system. Like, what the hell, guys? What are you doing? Um, yeah, it's unbelievable. But that is, this is something that uh, when I started playing, uh, I kind of went through. I got to go through the whole game, and the. I don't how would you describe this? Because it's not like it's not like a driving assist that it has, but it definitely has some pretty forgiving controls. Yeah, I mean I think when you're turning corners and stuff.
1: Yeah, it's I mean it's a sort of a drift game, but it, it's still got sort of that feel of I don't want to say being stuck on the ribbon, but you can't ever go too far off track. You can go off track, you can fall off the track on the the risen, the, the raised sections.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: um yeah, you're still like the camera is still kind of forcing you in the right direction.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, it's more, it's more a matter of, you know, uh, not turning too tight or turning too wide and hitting roadside obstacles more than anything else. Yeah. Oh,
0: sorry. I was, I was, I was going to say that uh, this game moves so fast. It moves the, the sense of speed is just ridiculous. And maybe that's just because I'm playing it again in 3d on a new 3ds XL but the the game is – the, the sense of speed is something that Mario Kart doesn't match, OutRun doesn't match. I don't know if there's anything uh, close to it except like th- the feeling of playing like F-Zero is the closest <laughs> thing that I can kind of match it up to with sense of speed.
1: Yeah, and actually like F-Zero, that's a, really good, that's a really good example because one of the other things that this game does so well is it actually um, – And it calls it out like at the top of the screen, you actually see what is it like 12 racers, I think, per race. Yes. And you actually see each character and like you you, it's actually a standing start and it's not a standing start like classic arcade games where like, you know, like, again, going back to something pole position where you start and it's like, okay, like whoever's first started like half a lap ahead of me, like you can't Mm -hmm. see them yet. They haven't spawned yet. Right. Like here, you've got the entire field right from the start and you can see like wherever you, you start fourth or fifth and you see first place and you can always see them. I mean, they take off, but they're there. Mm-hmm. And the other nice thing is, too, is they actually they have persistent positioning on the track. So, like, you know, you, you're lapping cars at the end of the four lap race, which given the speed of the, the game itself, it's actually a really huge obstacle because you come up on those slower cars super quick.
0: And I'm, I'm like I'm playing some of the game right now, and the the not only uh, it's just so rad because you can play it in a third person inside of the sit down arcade cabinet, and you can see the the steering wheel move, and you can actually have settings that allows the HUD to move, so you can kind of like see the arcade cabinet turn side to side like it was a like a hang on machine or an outrun machine, uh, which is it's just beautiful, beautiful touches. And throughout all this, the, the character just des- like, would you call like character designs and the, the, the kind of uh, emotes or the emotion that those characters will show is again, something that is really groundbreaking for the time because you drive past guys and like your character will start like waving and like saying like, mm-hmm. See you later, dude, like I'm, I'm, I'm flying right now. I'm going whatever it is like 204 kilometers per <clears throat> second. Like I'm, are per hour like I am flying you can honestly
1: really see what I feel is like the beginnings of the type of uh racing game you're gonna see in like a Mario Kart yeah oh for sure like it's it's very much that type of game and it actually there are a lot of elements in this game that you can say you like we're lifted right into Mario Kart
0: um, I want to make sure I also—I uh, mean, I mentioned it before, but uh, please, I'll—I'll—I promise I will uh, link to this in the show notes. But go to the uh, Sega blog and check out the three uh, D Sega three D Classics uh, blog archive, because there, there's just so many great uh, anecdotes with the developers of those games that you're going to want to check out. A couple of things I don't want to mention about Power Drift is that excuse me, they were attempting to port this game to the Sega CD Mm -hmm. and the game never came out. And I believe they're also trying to do a, uh, 32 X version that never came out, but it ended up coming out on the PC engine. Interesting. Have you, have you looked at the pictures of the PC engine version? No. Okay. So I'm going to do my best, uh, okay. This is radio, but, uh, or you could, you could always do this. You could go type in PC engine power drift on, on Google. And it is like, it's a good looking game, but they cut down the amount of cars that are, are people that are on the track. So it's down to six. Um, and it kind of runs rough, but it's still impressive. Like it's still a game that came out in 1988 in arcades and then gets port ported to the PC engine Uh, And I'm also seeing that uh, there was a version available on the Sega Dreamcast. I cannot confirm that.
1: Yeah, I think it's part of the uh, Yu Suzuki. um, Oh,
0: that beautiful box set. Yeah, which I so desperately
1: want. Yeah, that's what it's part of. Oh, geez. It would have been interesting. I I don't think they ever would have got it running very well on the Sega CD. Although, I mean, it definitely had the right kind of hardware because it was able to push sprites individually unlike the, Mm. you know, unlike the, uh, the super Nintendo, but the 32 X would have been interesting. I think, I think they probably could have pulled it off. It would, I mean, I want to say that like space Harrier and afterburner, they were really good on that system. They kind of struggled a little bit, Mm -hmm. uh, speed wise. So this would have really struggled because there's just a ton of, of, sprites being pushed around, but I still think they could have pulled it off.
0: Well, the best version to, to pick up is if if you have a Sega Saturn uh, and you you know don't have a 3ds, the best version is probably going to be the Sega Ages uh, version, which is going to run you about uh, thirty or forty bucks. And it's, it's, it's not bad. No, it, it's it's not bad, and you can uh, try to find a uh, you know used copy on eBay and try to snipe snipe one. But uh, this is. Again, this is a Kurt Collada special because, of course, you're going to find some of the best information at HardcoreGaming101.net. But he has a great article from 2001 on there, which has comparisons of the arcade version, the PC Engine version. It came out on the Amiga, the Commodore 64, the Amstrad CPC, the IBM PC, and the ZX Spectrum. I cannot
1: imagine what this looked like on the Spectrum.
0: It looks like shit. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, but apparently it was quite popular on those microcomputers in the UK.
0: Of course, it was. It was a Sega game in Europe. It's going to be on the Amiga. It's going to be on the Amstrad. It's going to be on the ZX Spectrum. So, uh, man, that's just like it's just fun to take a look at that. I want to see if I can get some video of the the Commodore sixty four version. But this is this is a game that I again I, I'm surprised it really never got ported to something that came out in the. In the United States, except it, for the IBM PC and the the Commodore,
1: it feels like um, it was just sort of a victim of being a 1988 release, which I know is kind of weird to say because it, you know it was I mean, a the,
0: transitionary transition yeah. or transitionary Tra- transitional transitional. I mean, yeah, fifth podcast no, today, guys.
1: What What I'm getting at though is like if you think about like the um, if you think about sort of the 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 home ports of Sega arcade games, especially yeah. the Super Scalar games, but arcade games in general in the mid to late eighties for Sega consoles, Altered Beast was an anomaly in that it came out like a couple months after it came out in the arcade. It came Mm -hmm. out on the mega drive, but generally they were years behind, like, you know, um, what uh, Outrun came out in 86 Mm -hmm. in the arcade. It didn't come out on the mega drive until 91. That's true. Yeah. You know, so I mean, by the time they would have gotten around to this, they were the mega drive was dying. So, you know, it's, it's a shame, but, that's what I'm saying. I really think that had the 32X been a little bit more successful, we would have seen this game finally come out, but I mean, you know, that thing was a flash in the pan. So
0: well, let's talk about Altered Beast. The this is a game that's kind of a running joke with a lot of people because it, it was a pack in uh when the Sega Genesis came out here in the United States. So a lot of people had a copy of it. It mm-hmm. takes about thirty minutes to beat. Mm-hmm. And Hell, it was still a a stunning looking game in 1989 when it came out here in the United States. It came out in 1988 on the Mega Drive in Japan in November. So there's about a nine month uh, window in between the the releases, or nine month gap, I should say, in between the releases.
1: It was the third game on the Mega Drive. What was was the the third third Uh, cartoon? Super Thunder Blade and Space Harrier 2.
0: So, yeah, it was, yeah, Generation 16. You should probably check it out. (laughs) <laughs> uh, all those arcade. It was an arcade port, you know, platform that initial yeah. like a year or two, right?
1: Yep, that's what the Mega Drive was built for. It Was to built to bring the arcade home,
0: and it did. So the 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 question that a lot of people were asking, and I even saw this on places like Neogaf, People are like, well, what, why isn't it the arcade version? Why are we getting the like Mega Drive version? Why are we getting the Sega Genesis version? And uh, this question came up in those interviews as well. Um, Yosuke uh, Okunari said, uh, keep in mind that there's an arcade version of Altered Beast, but unlike the arcade version, the Mega Drive version has two-layer scrolling, and without those two layers, you really don't have a foothold to start working on stereoscopic 3D. The arcade version basically doesn't have any parallax scroll at all. Another reason we chose the Mega Drive version of Altered Beast uh, was the the hidden feature in which you can select which beast to transform into. Only the Mega Drive version let you uh, choose which form to transform into on each stage. Uh, And that is something, that's an option in the settings as well where you can have uh, a random form. Uh, where they say ra- the random form was a miraculous feature that took far less time to implement than uh, they thought it would. When you use it, you can really tell how certain beasts work better in certain stages. There are uh, a lot of spots you'll find you're uh, you're able to do something you'd never thought of before. Also, for tough spots in the game, our project director, uh, T- Toshiyoshi uh came up with the idea to let you use extra spirit balls to change form in a pinch. It took some time, but it was a lot of fun once we got it in. I'm really glad we included it. So there's a whole nother feature aside from the mega drive release where they kind of like put in almost like a game genie like code to allow you to have random form. So you don't even know what form you're going to get in each level.
1: That's wild. I, I had no idea. It's funny because until I read the the show notes that you put together here, um, I was wondering the same thing because when they sold Altered Beast as um, – I forget what they were calling them back on the 360 on the, the uh, Xbox Live Arcade. Um, they were selling a bunch of classic Sega games. And when you bought Altered Beast there, you got the arcade version. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was a little bit uh, taken aback as well when I started playing Altered Beast on this. It's like, oh, wow, this is, this is the Genesis version. That's, that's mm-hmm. kind of weird. But that's a great point. I never even thought about it.
0: And it's it- – I played through it. It's fun. I mean, it, it took me again. It took me like half an hour, and I did kind of fudge with the settings a little bit to make it so it wasn't super hard. But it's still stupid and dumb, and it's fun to it's fun to play through. And I, I actually kind of like some of the music in it.
1: Well, I think the music's great. The music's a high point in that game. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I that's how I feel. Hey, I, I on Generation Sixteen, you hear it five times an episode. But that's true. Um, and the thing to think about too is that personally i think that the the mega drive version is a better version of that game um the arcade game was was interesting you could you could tell it, it felt kind of like a proof of concept because i mean the side scrolling beat em up was wasn't in in its infancy like you still had what like um, i think it was called kung fu but you know there there had been games like that already but i don't believe like Double Dragon had come out at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't believe that uh, Golden Axe had come out at that point. So you didn't have sort of the three-quarters view side-scrolling beat-em-ups happening yet. So this was kind of one of the very early um, side-scrolling beat-em-ups. And then for what it is, I I think it was pretty good. But the Genesis version improved on it um, because the arcade version scrolled super slow. Like it was just, it was almost excruciatingly slow. Mm. And, And it got to the point where it actually started to get a little bit boring. Whereas I think the Genesis version fixed that problem.
0: I remember when I went over to my friend's house down the street and we only had an NES at the time. This was before Super Nintendo came out and they had a Sega Genesis and Altered Beast. I thought it was the greatest thing I had ever seen. Yeah. It was, it was unbelievably like he had an arcade in his house as far as I was concerned. For real. <laughs> See, bring the arcade home. No, they totally did. Um, so let's talk about this. Like, have you heard of this? It's Sonic the Hedgehog.
1: Um, I think it's the sequel to Flicky.
0: Oh, oh, okay. Uh, well, anyways, this Sonic the Hedgehog game is included in this package as well, and uh, this was already available on the eShop, and yes. I had not picked it up. So I was again fascinated to kind of go through the settings to see that uh, they actually implemented the spin dash ability into this game. Yeah,
1: it's interesting. Um, I never use it, but uh, it's it's a nice That's touch cool. because. It's one, well, it's one of the biggest complaints people have about Sonic the Hedgehog because of the way inertia works in that game. You if you get on stuck on an upslope, you normally have to run backwards mm-hmm. in order to go up a hill. So, um, yeah, it fixes the problem.
0: And I don't know what else we can really say about Sonic the Hedgehog. I mean, there's a really good episode of Back in My Play already uh, out there about it, but... It is a game with the uh, you know parallax scrolling that, again, works really, really well in 3D. So it is a, a fantastic game. It's a fantastic version, I should say, of the game to, to pick up. And it's just good to have. You should always have Sonic available, even if it's just to get through Green Hill Zone 1, 2, and 3.
1: It's uh, Yeah, really, Green Hill Zone. And, again, some great music. Um, it's also one of the – I don't think every game on this collection has this, but it is one of a couple in here that has the, the pop-out 3D.
0: Yeah, both, both, uh, they, they call it the, uh, fall in and pop out.
1: Yeah. Nor, fall in 3D is normally what you get on, on a 3DS game. Like it's where it feels like everything's past the screen, you know, like it's underneath the screen. But pop out 3D, it's, it's kind of interesting to experience. It looks with like i off
0: my 3DS right now.
1: Yeah. It, it does. And it, with a game that moves as fast as Sonic, it can be a little bit disorienting, but, um, Totally cool. Cool to see anyway. And to me, Sonic the Hedgehog is just like comfort food. I mean, I can sit down and play through Sonic the Hedgehog and just barely think about it. And I just love it to death. So I don't mind owning like a fifth or sixth or eighth version of this game. And that music.
0: Yeah. So that's, that's still pretty good. And, uh, yeah, the pop out is like weird. It, it just kind of, I don't know. I like, maybe I like the, uh, Never was not the pop in, but the Fall-in.
1: You'll find that it it well for me anyway. It um it definitely strains your eyes okay. after a while. I find like my eyes getting a little bit sore playing Pop Out 3D, but it's still kind of cool experience.
0: So let's talk about Galaxy Force 2 because I thought Galaxy Force 2 was a side scrolling shooter. It is not. It's oh, really? very much like Thunder Force. Uh, not excuse me, not Thunder Force. Um, like uh, see that's maybe maybe that's why I was thinking that, but it is uh very much more like thunder blade Mm -hmm. and it's yeah
1: it's it's another one of these games that they they use through a million sprites on screen to to take 2d images and create 3d a 3d world and i had never actually played the arcade arcade version of this
0: game is this the arcade version that's included in here it looks yeah good to be a genesis game no the genesis game
1: galaxy force 2 on the genesis was was pretty rough um for good reason i mean you know it's there's no way you were ever going to be able to do what they did in this game on the genesis and but i remember actually back in the day um when they first showed i found when most magazines first started doing previews of galaxy force 2 which i had never played but they were running arcade screenshots Mm -hmm. um they weren't running arcade screenshots of, like, the uh, the tunnels that you, you fly through, Uh-oh. but just even the sort of outdoor screenshots, and and it looked incredible. And then the game came out, and it just didn't look anything like that. Um, so it was, it was it was kind of a major disappointment, especially for something that looks so gorgeous in the arcade. But playing this version, like, I'd never actually played it before, and it is Impressive. This it, game is impressive.
0: I was gonna say outside of Power GIF, this was my favorite game in the package. Yeah. Because it it's, is like I don't I wouldn't like almost a precursor to Star Fox, maybe? It definitely it doesn't have that has much that freedom, feel. but
1: no. But I mean it's it's yeah, it's and it, again it goes back to the whole creating a 3D world. I mean you have these big open areas, but you're you're getting sort of the the space harrier style action and you have a huge um, vertical freedom in this that you don't have in like Space Harrier or an Afterburner.
0: Penetrate um, the enemy fortress. <clears throat> the, the the flame
1: level, it, like where you have like the, the, um, the arcs of flame flying up and then you actually have like sort of the dragon, mm-hmm. flame dragons that are flying around like in spirals out of the screen um, or little things like putting together a bunch of sprites and having it fly by you and it looks like a, a massive capital ship with turrets and everything. Mm-hmm. Like it's just this really cool semi-free roaming on-rail shooter. And then you get into those tunnels and it's like, wow. And you're yeah. like, have to control your throttle and choose which direction you're going. And it's just
0: amazing. Think about think about being a kid that watched Star Wars. Yeah. And then got to play this game. And that's that's the same thing that, that I felt. I think this is one of the best showcases for the Sega 3D Classics collection. And it is the, the other game that I played the most outside of Power Drift. Um, yeah, same here. And Thank you Save states. Save State, state <laughs> save states are really great for for a game like this because you can sometimes get like a really like great run and you're like, "Oh my god, I want to save this just so I don't have to, you know, have a really bad area and lose all my energy and my shields die out." Um, yeah, that's a that's a really really great game. So, let's talk about is it Super Thunderblade or is it just it's just Thunderblade? Thunder okay, so we're Thunderblade, one of the initial games on the Take a Genesis as well.
1: Yeah, the Genesis was Super Thunderblade. So I think, not 100 percent sure on this. I think Super Thunderblade is just on the Genesis. Ooh, okay. It's cool. called that because it's, it's the uh, not, not,
0: too of the Space Harrier 2 of the Thunderblade franchise. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's it's not exactly Thunderblade, but it, it's based on Thunderblade. So yeah. And 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 again, creating a 3d effect with sprites. This, I think this is one of the first ones that they really did that where like when you're flying in the overhead mode, um, you're flying over buildings. So you're flying through a city in the beginning of the game and they actually have just created the effect of very tall buildings by stacking sprites on top of one another and moving them in relation to the camera. And it's a really, uh, effective, uh, way to do things like, not something you'd really seen before. Um, but I'm not, I'm, I got to be honest. I'm not super crazy about Thunderblade. I like it, but I'm not, um, like, especially when you get into the third person view, Mm -hmm. I just find that my helicopter is getting in the way. Most of the time I can't see anything.
0: Okay. I mean, I, I, kind of, I kind of like it. Actually, I think it's a, it's a little bit easier than super Thunderblade. Oh yeah. I find, uh, Thunderblade super, excuse me, super Thunderblade to be really hard.
1: (laughs) It is, especially the overhead segments.
0: Okay. Um, Yeah. um, then i don't feel i don't feel as terrible uh now now this is this is uh, again one of the classics that deserves to get a lot of play uh fantasy zone 2 uh one of my favorite games to watch areno uh, play he played i believe he played through i think he played through fantasy zone maybe he played through the pc engine version oh really i don't know i don't remember which one he played but i I actually like really like this because it is a like what would you call this? Like a three hundred three hundred and sixty degree side scrolling shooter because you come back around. It's Defender. It's well, it's, it's, yeah, a, it's it's a Defender. it's a cute up
1: based on Defender.
0: But it's way better than Defender. Come at me. It's way <laughs> better said, than Defender. they're two different
1: games. Defender is made to to break your spirit and, and just, you know, leave you sort of a, a quivering mass on the floor and mm-hmm. this isn't although this is tough. Fantasy Zone is surprisingly tough, for, but it's one of the earliest cute-em-up shooters, right? I mean, it's 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 got that that going for it. And it, this these games were kind of new to me because I became sort of a really major Sega fan by like 1990. And Fantasy Zone was kind of over. And when it did come home, it came home on the Master System. And I didn't have a Master System. It, this wasn't really a, a Genesis thing. So um, I didn't have a bunch of experience with Fantasy Zone, but... I really love what I've played, and Fantasy Zone 2 is excellent.
0: It is super. It's super good. And, and to be fair, uh, Fantasy Zone on the Master System, also really impressive.
1: And you know the story behind this, right, that the Master System version is actually the original. Fantasy Zone 2W is based on the Master System game. So the arcade version is based on the Master System version, not the other way around.
0: Okay, that's a little bit too confusing for my my. Fried so,
1: yeah. So the way it worked is fantasy zone in the arcade, yeah. the first fantasy zone arcade. Then of course, port of that to the master system. Yeah. Then, uh, fantasy zone two comes out on the master system and then it's created. Actually, I'm sorry. It's not an arcade game. This is a, an original game that M2 made. I'm, I got that wrong. Fantasy zone two W is what fantasy zone two would have is m2's interpretation of what fantasy zone two would have looked like in the arcade oh really yes it was as far as i know it wasn't actually released in the arcade this is an m2 original based on fantasy zone two
0: awesome and and greg still has a landline Uh i do sorry so no it's it's totally okay um so we have uh do you want to keep going are you good uh actually can we hold for one second we'll be right back We, we made it back it's it's okay um you know they 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 did call greg and they confirmed <laughs> that his his sega 32x pre-order uh will be arriving next week so yeah
1: I got the t-shirt
0: and he, and he got the one with a special RGB output to make sure he gets all 32x
1: yes all 32 X's you need all 32 of them
0: so you got uh some more information or maybe some some follow-up to the fantasy zone uh, stuff with them too.
1: Yeah. So just going back to what I was saying, uh, before my phone rang, which I'm sure it's going to ring again here any second because that's how it goes. Um, so the fantasy star two W that's in the, in the 3d classics collection is actually something that was created back in 2008, mm-hmm. which was when, um, Sega ages volume 33 fantasy zone complete collection, which was developed by M mm-hmm. two came out, I believe for the PlayStation two. Yep. And so, This is basically – it's not a modernization of the game. It's – I'll rephrase from Wikipedia here, quote, but rather a hypothetical interpretation of what the game might have been like Mm -hmm. had it been developed for System 16 arcade hardware by the original staff. And it goes on to say that for the sake of authenticity, M2 developed the title on real System 16 hardware. So like how hardcore is that?
0: What? Oh, my God. It's It's wild. wild. And this is – Hardcore, have you guys heard of HardcoreGaming101.net? Um, so i dot net? of it. This is a website, uh, which is basically the encyclopedia of video games. And uh, again, Kurt, a piece from June 9th, 2007, has outlined every single one of the Sega Ages collections from the PS2, because there's some you don't want. <laughs> there's some
1: <laughs> that are uh, like 3D re... Yeah, the ones that came here are the ones you don't
0: want. Right, they're... Like 3D uh, reimaginations of of those games, you don't want to pick those up. But there's some, like the Fantasy Star Complete Collection, Fantasy Zone Complete Collection. Those are the things that, if you're ever in uh, Japan, those are the ones you're going to want to pick up. The System 16 Collection, uh, Space Hero Collection. Those are the actual packages of the like perfect emulated versions of those games. So. Uh, go look them up. Just type in Sega Ages uh, in Hardcore Gaming 101 and you'll find all that stuff. Um, the, the one thing, like my friend in Japan, he actually had the Golden Axe Sega Ages 2500. Oh, yeah? Oh, my God, is that shitty. It's so bad. <laughs> it's so terrible. Um, well, it, yeah, those 3D ones were released in a compilation
1: here at one point on it, the PS2 it, and they were
0: awful. And they announced a Streets of Rage and Alex Kidd version, but they never came out. I
1: can't imagine why.
0: Thank you, Kurt, for all that great information. Um, so, God, like I swear to God, he gets mentioned on every one of these shows, and that's why he's just going to be continuing to come on as many of these episodes as I can get him on here for. So the uh, last last game I really want to talk about that is an important game is Maze Walker, uh, mm-hmm. a Master System game that I believe maybe it was off air that you were talking about. This is the first time that we've seen this game available on a piece of hardware outside of the Master System because you were talking about that it it may have required 3D to actually be playable.
1: Yeah, it's my understanding that to play this game on the Master System, you had to have the 3D glasses. So the 3D glasses were like uh, they used shutter, uh, alternating shutters. Um, to match up with your CRT television, mm-hmm. and then every alternate frame would be the other, you know, the other image—the right eye, the left eye—that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And Maze Walker, actually, you could not turn off the 3D, uh, the 3D mode in that game. And as far as I know, it wasn't available anywhere else. So this is my understanding: is this is the first time you can play this without needing a master system with 3D glasses and a CRT television.
0: Well, from the the looks of it. You actually—it makes a lot of sense uh, because the the like the whole mechanics of the g- mechanics of the game require there to be tons of depth. So right. it actually makes sense because you actually kind of go through different levels in a top-down view. So now that makes sense to me. Okay,
1: yeah, it's a cool little game. I haven't spent a whole lot of time with it yet, um, but it's 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 interesting.
0: It is. It's just like one of those unique, cool things that they threw in the package, because why not? We, already, we probably have the room on this, whatever. whatever, whatever. It's probably like a, like a one gigabyte 3DS cart or whatever mm-hmm. it is. So, um, Yeah, it's a, it's a hell of a package that deserves to be picked up, especially at the $30 price point. And what I really hope is that this is really successful. And you know what would be really messed up is if they brought over the first one as <laughs> Sega Ages Collection Part 2. And make um, the Japanese part one, part two, and our part two – no, our part one, their part two.
1: I think what they need to do is start moving on to model one and model two games.
0: Well, this is let's, – let's wrap up this section, and we're going to do one more segment. And this segment is, is going to be a bonus for the Patreon supporters. So I'm going to do one more segment of the show, and Greg and I are going to be talking about other potential hardware and the, the future of the Sega 3D Classics collection – with the Sega Saturn and the Sega Dreamcast, so stick around if you're a Patreon supporter. If you're not, I thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this episode, uh, and continuing to support the Fitcast Network. It's been a blast to continue to get this show going, and for you guys, I want to make sure that I plug Greg's stuff. So I want you to get over to first the Player One Podcast at Player One Podcast. .com. You guys have actually had some really great episodes lately with Ethan. Ethan's been coming on the show and I believe, didn't he work for Sega?
1: He did. Yeah. He was a producer at Sega. Um, okay. He was he was there when they launched Monkey Ball on the iPhone too.
0: Okay. Because I, I think I remember him being on Retronauts when they did, they they talked about like, and that may have been the first time I ever heard of Sega Ages was way back like in 2006 or something when he was on Retronauts or 2007 talking about uh, Sega games and working for Sega. I can't remember. It was a long time time ago. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, he obviously has uh, a great history and a great knowledge uh, when it comes to video games. So check out the last couple episodes. And CJ should be back. uh, Pax free, hopefully, when he comes back.
1: Yeah, Pax plague free, we hope.
0: We we hope. And uh, maybe with an extra amiibo or two because... (laughs) It'll, it'll be weird. It'll be fun to hear you guys talk about the Nintendo stuff uh, with him this this upcoming week, which would have been last week by the time that you hear this. So uh, check that out. Check out generation-16.com. Greg has uh, new episodes coming out. And make sure that you're supporting that on Patreon at patreon.com slash generation-16 or just generation-16. Yep, yeah,
1: generation-16.com.
0: Uh, for the Patreon as well?
1: Uh, Patreon is, sorry, patreon.com slash just generation 16. No okay. space, no dash, nothing.
0: Awesome. Um, support that stuff. And again, uh, I appreciate everyone that is a Patreon supporter of the show. That's why I'm going to give you guys a bonus segment coming up because uh, I, I want to give you guys a little bit of an extra. So thank you for, for checking this out. And uh, if you're a Patreon supporter, uh, check it out at patreon.com slash back of my play. That's how you can support that stuff. And that is going to do it for the the folks listening to this, unless you're a Patreon supporter, we're gonna be right back with one more segment. Stick around.